This week on Punch Mountain, Jackie Chan is on a quest to learn the fighting style of the eight drunken gods so that he can, I'll be honest with you, I don't know, bragging rights, get loaded on jug wine because we're watching Drunken Master, Punch Mountain starts now. Hello and welcome to Punch Mountain, the podcast where we review action movies one by one to discover the definitive ranking of action movies, not determined by us, but by the action gods themselves. We don't make the mountain, we just climb it. My name is Mac Blake. I am joined as always by the drunken apprentice, Mr. David Hotta. You'll get there one day, David. Mac Blake, my drunken hoe, how are you? I, wait, what? Uh, I'm doing, <laughs> doing okay. David, the reason we're doing all this kind of drunk talk is because we're talking about the movie Drunken Master. That's right. The Jackie Chan classic from 1978. Is is this the movie that like put him on the map? Or uh, Do you happen to know? Oh, good question. I feel like I read something where it was like this movie was like a hit for him. I don't know if it like put him on the map or not. That's interesting. But that's kind of the reason why I wanted to, to watch this. This was my pick, David. And I have seen a bunch of 90s Jackie Chan movies. Like, you know, whenever that like Rumble in the Bronx resurgence happened where all of a sudden there was like a Jackie Chan movie every three months. And they all had the same poster. Do you remember that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They were all swinging from something. Well, there was a, <laughs> there was a couple, there was like him swinging and then him punching mm-hmm. right at the, and, and they were like change what he was punching depending on what movie Miramax had the rights to that week or whatever. But yeah, I had never seen like an older Jackie Chan, like, cause before he could even have like a U.S. resurgence, he had to have a surgeance. Right. And I, I remember there was some movie that used to pop up, with him and Danny Aiello? Does that ring a bell at all? The Protector. I had to look it up. I, I thought that was a fever dream because in getting ready for this for this episode, I was trying to recall the Jackie Chan movies I had seen too. And that was the only pre-Rumble in the Bronx one I had seen because it was the only thing that my local video store had. And I saw it and I was like, P.U., I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I, I remember that just being kind of weird. But yeah, there was like that flood of uh, English dub versions of like his Hong Kong films. And then he started making U.S. movies, which are probably pretty bad, right? In my estimation, yes. But people love them. There's a whole generation of Rush Hour fans and a whole generation of Shanghai whatever fans, if you can believe that. Uh, David, who are you trying to uh, impress by not knowing Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon? It was the Nights one. I, I, I knew Shanghai Noon. I was like the second one. And if I flopped on that one, I just didn't want to come home. It's UK-based sequel. Uh, <laughs> I remember at the end of the first movie, uh, Owen Wilson's like, hey, you think I should go by my real name? It's pretty stupid. It's Wyatt Earp. Whoa. <laughs> Doomstown the whole time. And so in researching what Jackie Chan movie to watch, a lot of people are like, oh, Police Story is his, is his best one. And I think a lot of people were, uh, Drunken Master 2 was his best one. But David, we're watching Drunken Master 1. Uh, and this is my first time watching an, uh, an, a sort of a younger Jackie Chan movie. And of course, my God, he's just amazing. He's not in like full like uh, parkour mode yet here, but he's just the, the physicality in this movie is great. But David, what did you think about this movie? In fact, let's back it up just a little bit. What did you think about Jackie Chan? Not much. I, I was never a huge Jackie Chan fan. Like I said, you know, he came on my radar around the same time that Rumble in the Bronx came out. And I saw that one. And that one felt like... Even not having seen a Jackie Chan movie prior to Rumble in the Bronx, I could tell Rumble in the Bronx felt like a muted Jackie Chan effort. Like there were better ones out there, but I just didn't have them available to me at the time. So I just sort of didn't really pursue it. Like you said, the Rush Hour series, the Shanghai series, I was in the middle on Jackie Chan. But then once we start doing this show, I had the same thoughts you did. Well, I absolutely have to go track down the origins of what made him an international star. So 
I actually saw this one doing additional research for our Matrix episode because the director of Drunken Master, Yen Wu Ping, was also the fight coordinator for the Matrix. And I really, I really enjoyed it. In fact, I was kind of holding on to it thinking, oh, this might be like a mountain slayer one day because it's just fights, 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 fights. But then when it finally came up to watch it for this episode, for episode 35, it got a little weaker and weaker and weaker in my mind. Still fun, still really silly and really fun, but I shouldn't be saying really silly in the definitive ranking of action movies. Yeah, David, you're right. This movie is a lot of fun and we're definitely going to talk about it and the fact that it is nonstop fights. But you're right, it is also kind of silly and it's silly in a way that bothered me a little bit. I watched this movie on Amazon Prime. Is that how you watched it? I watched it on Pluto. I, I was willing to sit through the commercials. In fact, uh, the commercials crept into my notes. I have a lot of thoughts on Conan O'Brien. What was he doing ads for? For Sirius XM. He's living in the house with Dave Grohl and all them. Oh, that sounds like a, a dynamite ad series. You remember one of our heroes? Yeah, uh-huh. America's only drummer, Dave Grohl. I know him. But Dave, when I wrapped up the movie on Amazon Prime, I saw on the page for the movie the like genre descriptions and it was like action kung fu and then it had the word campy in there and i was like oh this movie is campy and man i've uh have a tolerance for campy that i did not have when i was younger the last time i watched batman and robin fucking campy as hell i enjoyed it because it was so campy but this movie is the first time i'm I've, at least in this podcast that i'm being forced to reckon with amazing action but also a campy element that like keeps it from going full-on campy I'm going to say campy one more time and then I'll stop. So yeah, this movie is interesting and I got some thoughts about it. One more note before we get into it. Uh, David, my version was dubbed, not subtitled. Was yours the same? My version was dubbed as well, yes. I was watching the dubbed version as well. And so the character in the original movie was named Wong Fei Hung. And this dubbed UK version is now Freddie Wong. But even though it's the UK version, David, the, the Jackie Chan character, Freddie Wong, they gave him this kind of like, I mean, the only way that I would describe it is almost like a New York street hustler voice. He sounds like a sweat hog almost. Oh my God. So much of this movie is the 30 year old cast of Greece just living out their martial arts fantasies. It really is just like very broad kind of AU. Yeah. And when I first heard it, I was like, oh, this is terrible to hear this kind of like, hey, teacher voice coming out of, uh, coming out of Jackie Chan's mouth was just a real <laughs> culture shock. Culture shock? Is that the right word for it? I don't know. And we'll definitely hear some audio clips of him later uh, if you want to get excited about it. But as the movie wore on, I was like, actually, this is the perfect fucking voice. Dumb, young, like, thinks he's cool street hustler voice it was doing was honestly perfect for this character. For all the subtitle snobs out there, this is the reason why I love the idea of dubbed versions. Because it is so broad it is so slapped together. It adds to the movie. It adds to the silliness in a really fun way. I agree. David, before we go any further, I think it would help to clear up some common questions. If you search Drunken Master on Google, the results include these frequently asked questions. So we'll do some quickly provided answers. David, is Drunken Master style real? Ask my four kids. Mac, is Drunken Master 2 and the legend of Drunken Master the same? No, Drunken Master 2 is about uh, Jackie Chan's character. And the legend of Drunken Master is when Denzel Washington lands that plane upside down. David, what is the plot of Drunken Master? Uh, some guy gets drunk, he talks some shit, he goes to Taco Cabana, and he falls asleep watching Collateral. Mac, when did Drunken Master 2 come out? David, it'll be out of the second. Jesus, stop yelling at me. David, before we tell the story of a young, dumb man who finds his inner strength by getting drunk before fights, 
Let's check in with two friends whose greatest strength is getting drunk before flights. Airplanes, David. It's a friendship check-in. We're those friends. David, Hada, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you a, are you a flight drinker, Mac? Do you drink on flights? No. And I have a story to illustrate that, David. My younger sister was doing one of those uh, education abroad things in Europe for a summer. And so I went to go visit her. And on the plane ride over there, flying uh, British Airways out of Houston, uh, the stewardess comes by and... Uh, She's she's British and she's like uh, you know anything to drink and I was just like oh I'll take a um, Dr Pepper because I'm a loud gross American and she's like great and then the gentleman this is the early flight by the way David and the gentleman to my right goes like I'll have a gin and tonic and the British stewardess goes smashing choice oh it's so refreshing in the morning a good G and T to start the day can't underestimate that and I was like oh mm, gin and by the way gin and tonic at this point David was my go to drink at the time sure yeah so I just. I took that away for later. And on the plane ride home, I'm flying and I'm seated next to my younger sister, uh, British Airways uh, flight again. The British stewardess comes over and she's like, you know, anything to drink? And I was like, uh, yeah, I'll have a gin and tonic. And the <laughs> British, it was a different stewardess, David, because her reaction was, oh, okay. <laughs> Fine, a little early, but I'm, I, I bet we have it. Then my little sister... 90 degree turns to look at me and goes, who are you? Which, oh. wow. You got to give, look, family's good for very few things, David, but one of them is uh, absolutely knowing who you are and never allowing you to get away with pretending to be something you're not. And I am not cool enough to order a gin and tonic, I guess, on a, or a morning flight without seeming like a, a gambler or a drunk. What about you, David? You ever? No, absolutely not. I do not drink on flights. Um, I, I have only gotten drunk on one flight. It was the flight coming back from the 2006 National Championship when the Texas Longhorns beat the USC Trojans. And the red eye back, we had to go from L.A. to Atlanta to Austin. So that flight from L.A. to Atlanta was all Texas fans. So they were like, okay, drink as long as you want. <laughs> I was over like two in the morning flying into Atlanta, watching the corpse bread, getting loaded and having the time of my life. Did you pay for it the next day? The corpse bread? No, it was free. No, David, I mean, how did you feel the next day? I guess it's a better question. Oh, no, I felt great. I was 26 at the time. I was invincible. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, David, the only thing I have to add to this friendship check-in is I want to give a shout-out to Megan, who came up to me after a Master Pancake show, because we were talking about, outside of San Antonio Institution, the snake farm. Okay, yeah. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, David? The one that may or may not be a house of ill repute? Thank you, David Hada. That's exactly what we were talking about. Uh, for folks who are confused, there is some sort of like roadside attraction, snake farm, reptile place. And when I was in high school, the urban legend was that it was a brothel. Uh, I mentioned this uh, during a show. And Megan came up and she said that she read a book about the Sex Pistols on tour in the United States called 12 Days on the Road. They mentioned in the book that they wanted to go to the Snake Farm because they also heard it was a brothel, which is just crazy. But anyway, uh, at the end of the, uh, our discussion, she goes, oh, by the way, I, I like Punch Mountain. So yes, thank you. Shout out. Shout out, Megan. Thank, thanks for the, the compliment and the, the Snake Farm talk. Thanks for the words, Megan. <laughs> no, she, she meant it. She meant it. But also, if there's any listeners outside San Antonio who go to the snake farm and get their uh, genitals uh, sucked by a snake, please don't hesitate. Punchmountain at gmail.com. <laughs> Let us know how it went. Now, did you hear about like the code or whatever you're supposed to do to activate the, the cat house? Don't you have to ask for like a certain kind of snake or something? Or you're like, I want the anaconda tour or something. Oh, no, no, no. You have to ask for the uh, to use the restroom. Oh, I, I I heard it was change for a hundred. Change for a hundred. Because I feel like that would be a rare. Yeah, I, <laughs> that makes more sense. I was 
I was so excited to get the wrong answer. Uh, hello, Snake Farm employee. Do you have a change for 100? Mister, you could buy this place. <laughs> okay, enough delightful Snake Farm sex worker talk, David. Is it time to glug, 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 duke, 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 to do this thing? Mac, get that phone full of ex-girlfriends. We're going in. Oh, no, this is going to be bad. Okay, David, in case someone needs a refresher what this movie's about, or for those people who are wholly unfamiliar with it, just a level set. Preview this thing. Could you give, like, the back of the box description? Of course I can. This movie stands out as one of the most action-filled kung fu comedies ever filmed. Jackie Chan, Rumble in the Bronx Twin Dragons, plays a character called Naughty Panther. He's such an incorrigible brawler that his father sends him to a martial arts master, an old wino living in the woods. The drunken master teaches him the eight drunken fairies, a style requiring ample portions of alcohol. When a hired killer named Tiger Claw threatens his father, the Naughty Panther clearly shows what he has learned. Martial Arts Movies calls Drunken Master one of the sleekest action-filled kung fu comedies. 1978, 110 minutes, directed by Yen Wu Ping, no rating. This was not a helpful back of the box because it seems to give characters different names. What's going on? So, you know, this is going to happen with international releases, especially pre-DVD like DVD, Blu-ray era when people were really meticulous about their home video releases. This was one I found on eBay. It is like a very mid-90s looking like blockbuster music kind of video release. And then on the back, it's just slapped together. There's a number of versions out there. This is one of the sillier ones, so I thought I would pull that one. Yes, because he plays a character named Freddy, and the drunken master teaches him how to fight drunk. And a hired killer named Thunderleg is the uh, the names that we're going to be dealing with in this movie. I mean, look, whoever changed this thing, uh, Tiger Claw, way better than Thunderleg, I, I have to admit. No, disagree. Hard disagree. Well, look, I mean, on paper, it's better. But of course, I love Thunderleg more. David, I'm a huge Thunderleg fan. You know that. That's what you get the at the State Fair every year. You love that turkey leg. I'm a Thunderleg stan uh, from back in the day. Everyone knows that. Okay, David, how does this movie, Drunken Master, one, aka Drunken Master at the beginning, how does this movie start? Well, Mac, this movie starts with an assassin named Thunderleg in some versions of this movie. That's my man. That's right. He's played by Huang Zheng Li, and he's checking his messages at what passes for a FedEx office, a dirty shanty. Thunderleg is hired to assassinate local kung fu champion Charlie Wei, so he does. Meanwhile, we are introduced to Freddie Wong, played by baby Jackie Chan. Freddie is a silly boy cutting up in kung fu class and stealing smooches from a pretty quote-unquote stranger in town. Huh, it's weird that you put quotes around stranger. Well, you know, it might actually be someone he knows from way back, possibly by blood. Mm, possibly. We'll never know. So, David, we first see Thunder like, yeah, checking his messages, and he, and he gets a message in this weird system where a, uh, a little cup is turned upside down, and then that's how he knows he's got mail. He sees his assignment to kill Charlie Way, and we see Charlie Way, David, and he's just a dude out there. He's just kind of, you know, in this little grassy area, just practicing his kung fu. Lord knows what this guy does for a living, David. I mean, do you have any guesses, Charlie Way? Oh, I figure he does that for a living. I figure he's just like, he's a roadside attraction, like the mystery hole, where he's like, oh yeah, we'll see the guy doing four-door fist or whatever it is. That is very true, David. He says, I'm four-door fist champion Charlie Way, which makes me think he's like maybe a car salesman or something like that. <laughs> like he's, he's like, come on down to Charlie Way's four-door fist champion. And then like he punches every door closed on like, uh, I don't know, a uh, Toyota Tundra. Well, my understanding is that the Street Fighter bonus rounds are based in reality. He was actually, he beat up enough cars to be considered the four-door fist champion. Oh, very good. Now, David, did you get any sense of when this movie took place? Because like, you know, everyone looks like uh, they're in the 70s because it's the 70s. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, I, 
when I used to watch martial arts movies when I was a kid, something that felt a lot like this, I couldn't place what Asia looked like. All I knew was that this guy kind of looks like Vinnie Barbarino. So yeah, it has to take place in the 70s, right? Well, apparently Freddie Wong, a.k.a. Wong Fei Hung, was a Chinese martial artist, physician, and folk hero who lived from 1847 to 1925. I, I guess that's when this takes place. You know, watching this movie, there's nothing to tell you this is based on anything in reality. Because it just doesn't seem like that is the case. Like, there's nothing in this that uh, tracks, you know what I mean? But David, as Charlie Way is just doing his, like, you know, practice kicks and punches, he's approached by this mysterious assassin, and they have this exchange. I'm Charlie Way. Your name, if you have one. Sure, it's Thunderleg. I love the casual way this dude is like, yeah, it's uh, Thunderleg. Like, it's just, they call me Thunderleg is what you should say. You can't be like, yeah, it's Thunderleg, man. Don't worry about it. It's Thunderleg. But yeah, you know, he, he's Thunderleg and he's, a, he's a, a paid killer. You know, he really sticks to his honor code on being that paid killer because he tells Charlie Way, I'm here to kill you. I got, I'm getting paid to do it. And Charlie Way's like, I'll pay you double. You don't have to do that. And Thunderleg says, well, uh, uh, my honor comes first. I was like, no, money comes first. You're a paid killer. Like, you don't get to declare honor all of a sudden. You'll take my money. Also, the fact that Charlie Way is like, you stand no chance against me. Please, I'll pay, I'll pay you a double. Like, <laughs> the fact that he instantly bargained. That's not a sign of strength, Charlie. But yeah, they fight. Here we have our first fight. Fight. It's a short one. And yes, indeed, Thunderleg is able to best Charlie Way here. There's a, little, a, a cool moment because this is the opening scene of the movie. We haven't even gotten the the uh, the title of the movie yet. But something Thunderleg is known for, according to Charlie Way, he's like, oh, you're Thunderleg. Uh, you are the master of the devil's kick. And right before Thunderleg delivers this devil's kick from his thunderous leg, you know, the music swells, boom, and then we get the credit, Drunken Master. I thought this was pretty cool. I thought this was fantastic. I marked out. Not knowing anything about the movie going in necessarily, this was a really great way to start it. It's just Thunderleg saying, I'll send you to hell. And then the music swells, credits going, like they're fighting over the credits. It's like this, this movie is so packed fat with action, it's fighting over the credits. I was into it. My only complaint here is that we freeze frame over Thunderleg delivering this devil's kick, and then we get the title Drunken Master. The fact that the Drunken Master was not on screen at that point, it felt odd to pair the title with that particular freeze frame. But that is a small, picky complaint and not a real one. But then, David, we cut to the Kung Fu school of one Mr. Robert Wong, who uh, I guess he's got to go, I don't know, do some paperwork. And so he tells his assistant, Dean, He's like, yeah, you, you finish up with class today. Yeah, this is going to be the professor played by Dean Sheck. Oh, man, right out of the gate. He, this guy's got real Benny energy. Benny from uh, The Mummy, who is one of my least favorite characters in the history of Punch Mountain. The professor has got a lot of that same vibe. He's even got this mole that has maybe a foot long hair on it that he keeps playing with. And it's like, if you ever want a shorthand for an undesirable character in a motion picture, a foot long hairy mole is a pretty good way to go. Uh, yeah, David, the hair coming out of the mole and the fact that he was playing with it, it definitely was intended for laughs because it's obviously a fake little ponytail coming out of this mole. And uh, David, I wasn't laughing. Pretty gross. No, this movie plays for laughs for like a six-year-old audience. There's a lot of fart talk. There's a lot of poo-poo pee-pee. Uh, there's a lot of picking feet and smelling it. This is for children. David, this, uh, this professor, the assistant professor here, you can tell he's a bit of a blowhard. And some of the students in this Kung Fu school decide to, uh, you know, cut up a little bit. And one of these students, David, is Freddie Wong, the teacher's son? Robert Wong's son? The guy who owns the fucking Kung Fu Academy? This is his son acting up? Oh, David, I don't know about this. 
Yeah, you got yourself a real 19th century Nepo baby. Of course, he's pushing his way around. He's he's cutting up behind the professor because he knows everything. You know, of course, Freddie Wong is going to be this awesome fighter and he doesn't need any of this instruction. So he's going to be like making faces behind the professor's back, making little toot noises, stuff like that. And again, this is silly. Uh, there's even like cartoon music stings where it's like the kind of stuff you would hear in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. I'm going to compare this movie to Bugs Bunny a lot throughout this episode. Yeah, and in case you forgot, Freddie Wong, this cut up is played by Jackie Chan. And how old do you think he's supposed to be in this story? Like Jackie Chan was 24 when the movie was released. So I don't know how old he was when he filmed it. I mean, like you could assume probably early 20s. I kind of get the idea that the character's around that age. Or or do you get the impression he's supposed to be like high school age or something? I would say coming of age. I would say like 16, 17. Okay, so that's uh, significantly younger. Noticeably younger than Jackie Chan. But that makes more sense. I don't know what's going on in China during this time. But it seems like no one uh, has a, a job that keeps them from spending a lot of time learning Kung Fu. But yeah, David, this is our second fight. Fight. And it is Professor versus Freddie Wong. David, this scene is kind of like all you need to know about the movie. I feel like you kind of get a good impression of the entire movie from this scene because this fight is very silly and it's not so much a fight as in like characters trying to hurt each other, just kind of trying to like teach each other a lesson. And David, the choreography again is insane. You know, the, the punches and the blocks and the timing of everything and the coordination. Mac, you're just defining what choreography is. It's just incredible. Like, I don't know how long it took him to practice this. I kind of wonder throughout this entire movie how much of the fighting was choreographed or if they like you know experienced wrestlers are able to like kind of improvise while fighting if they are making this shit up while fighting i kind of don't want to know that because that's like too amazing even though this fight choreography is otherworldly it's goofy and there's no stakes it's silly and i think you have to kind of know that going into it because after that opening fight where Thunderleg's like, I'm going to send you to hell, you might be like, oh shit, here comes like a hardcore kung fu movie. You'd be fucking wrong because this movie is very silly. But also just the fact that Freddie Wong's character is basically like, why are you being such a jerk, Freddie Wong? Uh, my dad owns the place. Boom, right there. That's all you need to know about this dude. He's got definite like, uh, my dad owns a dealership kind of energy. Uh, he's just a he's just a shit. He, and that's part of why I put him around 16, 17, because he really is this sort of petulant child he he's a real brat if he is coming of age and he does need to make that part of his growth then it works but if he's just this guy in his mid-20s acting like that freddie the character is a bit of a hard buy throughout this movie to place him in his mid-20s makes it an even harder buy see i don't know about mid-20s i think early 20s a dude who's like you know he's out of high, i mean I'm, I'm putting this in very american terms but the idea that he's supposed to be like out of high school and then, like, why don't you go to college? Like, nah, Dad, I'll just learn Kung Fu. I'm so good at it. But I know everyone's champing at the bit to hear this weird Vinny Barbarino-style voice dub they gave him. <laughs> so here's a little clip of audio of Freddie Wong basically giving his uh, professor, his dad's employee, a hard time. Who told you Kung Fu is just a good start? Oh, so that's it. You mean to say my Kung Fu is lousy? Uh, it's not as bad as that. But it isn't the greatest. Oh. But at some moment, this character, who's a little heavier, he's another kung fu student, he bumps into the professor, and the professor goes, Potbelly, shut up, and elbows him. Potbelly kind of pops up throughout this movie. He's got no real point, but I'm going to talk about him like about an hour from now, so I just wanted to mention him now. Thank you for doing that. Yes, okay, I'm glad. We're on the same page. But after this fight, David, we cut to just like a local market where Freddy and his, his crew, they're hanging out, they're talking shit. At one point, his friend's like, Freddy, you're the cat's ass, man, which I still don't know if that's good or bad. 
Like you were really giving it to that crusty old Dean, I guess. Oh no, uh, David. This. What do you think about this gang, Freddy's crew? This is going to be the T Birds. This. They really are just a bunch of thirty-somethings playing teenagers, seeing a pretty girl walk by, biting their palm. Like this is really broad and just silly. Thirty-somethings playing teenagers. Okay, I- I'm on your side. I do think they're supposed to be that young because there was one guy in the gang they gave freckles to by like drawing them on with like a pencil. David, they do not look good. It looks real bad. Like, I wonder if that was just always kind of like a vaudeville thing or like an early theater thing where if you have freckles, you're a kid. But these local toughs, they see a a hot, pretty lady walking by hubba hubba. Look, not that I want them to be good at catcalling, but they're bad at it. And they're like, oh man, what I wouldn't give to kiss her. And then Freddy's like, hey, he he sets them straight. He's What does Freddy say here? Well, you know, he says, hey, kissing is for children. You know where he wants to go next. He says, I can get that broad to hug me. So he's going to get a hug from her because that's the dirtiest thing you can do. Now, David, at this point in the movie, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know about this translation. It's, <laughs> it's very possible that he did say hug me. You know, I don't know if Hong Kong cinema in the 1970s, uh, how conservative it was. To my ears right now, yeah, going from first base kissing to second base being a hug, that doesn't seem like, uh, that does not check out. But it does work out for him because he finds this convenient bucket of snakes and throws one on the ground and gets her to jump in his arms. So he won, and I guess it really is kind of, yeah, I got her in this tender embrace. So sure, you win. But David, this attractive stranger, her mother sees this going down. And the stranger's mother, played by Linda Lynn, she's not going to have any of Freddy's bullshit. No, she's going to give him a right thrashing. It's She's going to show him up and kick his ass. And then, of course, Freddy, in classic Freddy style, is going to be like, I let you win because you're nothing but a skinny old woman and then runs away because Freddy sucks. Yeah, this is uh, our third fight. Fight. And this lady who's slightly older than Freddy, maybe, <laughs> does hand him his ass. And Freddy manages, uh, he's a very respectful young man, I think he managed to call this lady a bitch three times, which we just, great. But yeah, yes, but roundly beaten. Freddy, um, you know, he, he runs away. Yeah, Mac, but after getting beaten down by a slightly older woman, Freddy gets right back on the violence horse. Freddy comes to the aid of a local merchant being terrorized by another shitty rich man's son, Jerry Lee, played by Tino Wong. Freddy returns home to find the pretty stranger and her mother there. Oh no, that's his cousin and aunt. Womp womp, says the movie. When Jerry Lee's father arrives at the Wong home and demands satisfaction, Freddy's father Robert has seen enough. Freddy beats the shit out of Mr. Lee's employee? I guess. Chow, okay, but his dad is still pissed. When additional punishment training, a.k.a. torture, doesn't work either, Robert says he's going to send Freddy to military school. Wait, no, he's going to send Freddy to study kung fu with the fabled instructor so high, an instructor with a reputation for crippling students. No thanks, says Freddy, who decides to make a run for it. Yeah, reading this description, David, it almost seems like a lot happens in this movie, and I think maybe it does. Somehow this movie is able to have a lot happen and also nothing happen. This is interesting interesting it's a weird plot vortex because i'm (laughs) saying a lot now but when you watch it there's surprisingly little going on i know i'm genuinely baffled here i really feel like this is a (laughs) one-to-one yeah (laughs) is there some chinese term for this you know what i mean like oh yes this movie is uh kinner which is the uh chinese uh, it would not be kinner but I happen to see a kidder toy in front of me. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the term for nothing and everything happening all at once. Oh, shit. It's a movie as well. <laughs> but David, uh, we see this local market. 
And this dude is walking around like he's cock of the fucking walk. And it's Jerry. And the movie has chosen this really weird way to show that Jerry is like rich. He's smoking a cigarette out of a cigarette holder. Okay, sure. But then he's also holding a caged bird. Listener, if you're in your car, go ahead and take both hands off the wheel. With one hand, and and David, you, you should do this too. Okay, please. Pretend you're smoking out of a cigarette holder. And with your other, raise your other hand in the air. Like you're holding a cage that contains a bird and, and hold it like you would like a, a, a waiter with a tray, right? And I, I kind of feel like a big deal. You know what I mean? And he also has a stooge with him. So it's kind of like his, uh, oh, who was the guy who used to hold Diddy's umbrellas? He's like that. Oh, like Fairbanks or something? Shit. Fonsworth Bentley. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Boom. Look at that. Nice pull. Thank you. But yeah, he's got the stooge with him. He's walking in through this marketplace. He sees this merchant selling a, a jade amulet. And he's like, oh, I, I like this. How much is this? And the merchant says, it's 10 bucks. So Jerry tells his stooge to give him 10 cents and he takes the, the jade amulet. And you no, know, that's a thousand percent markup or whatever. So the the merchant's like, no, I, I, I need that. You know, that's the only thing I have in the world. And, and Jerry Lee smashes it on the ground. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just a rich prick. And, uh, <laughs> and the merchant's, Sad. He he gets beaten up a little bit. Gets roughed up by the uh, by the stooge. And here comes the merchant's son to offer some some sadness. You know, to offer just uh, crying out. And if we could just play a little bit of that. That was all that I had in the world, sir. You've got to pay for it. Payment from me. Well, take this. Yeah. Daddy, daddy, are you alright? Oh, please, at least give me something. Sure. Ah! Daddy, daddy. Now, Mac, it might surprise you to learn. The child is not 35 years old and is not just throwing his voice to sound younger. Like, this is what you could do with dubbed versions. I really feel like I missed my calling. I should have just been dubbing these movies back in the day. I would have had so much fun, David. <laughs> but yeah, because it just seems like this movie had to be done by a certain time more than it had to be done right. <laughs> Which I guess that's every movie. But I mean, the, the deadline for this thing must have been real tight. Like, ah, shit, we need a kid to do the VO. Uh, 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 Nigel, you could do the kid voice. Get over here. But thankfully, here comes Freddy, who I guess we're rooting for now because he's the lesser of two evils, and he's going to challenge Jerry Lee to a fight, and this is going to be a fight number four early on in the movie. Fight. Yeah, Freddy, whose ego is bruised like maybe 15 minutes beforehand now, is like, oh, thank God, a chance to make myself feel like a big man again and beat the shit out of this dude Jerry, which he does. Now, David, quick punch up here. There's a lot of like mid-level bosses in this movie, and a lot of them have really fun names. This dude Jerry does not. And so what if instead of just his name being Jerry, he's Jerry the Jade Smasher? Like, because he does smash like this Jade Ambulance. What if that's like his thing where he's like, there's no Jade that I won't smash and then like throws it down. Like, I don't know. Just a quick, I think that would really like uh, make this a more interesting character. And and uh, I think we'll also move some action figures. I'm not going to lie. I, I hear you. Absolutely. Because that's going to be one of my punch ups later on, too, is that the villains in this movie or the badder people <laughs> don't really have much personality outside of Thunder like Tiger Claw. So, yeah, his personality is he smashes Jade. Do not call him Tiger Claw, please. We, as we both know, it's Thunder Leg. <laughs> but, David, yes, this is our fourth fight here, which, again, the fight choreography, amazing. Again, very silly. But what did you think about this? This is more fun. Okay, here's the thing, though. I'll, I'll say this about this fight and every fight in this movie. I wouldn't go so far as to call them fights. They're more like martial arts demonstrations. It really is a performance showing you what is capable with the magic and power of martial arts. 
Because whenever I watch an action movie, I'll be perfectly honest with you, especially like a fight-based action movie, I watch it for stuff I can use in real life, just in case the one day something happens. Sure. But I can't use any of this, Mac. This is this is just for show. No, this honestly could have been a... Uh, I have not seen them, the Step Up movies, but if you told me this was like in the Step Up universe, like Step Up uh, negative to these drunken streets, I guess, because, you know, negative two maybe. I would not argue with you, David, because yes, the fighting in this movie uh, feels a lot more like dancing than a lot of other heavily choreographed fighting we've seen. Which is funny, David, because I think I knocked Gunpowder Milkshake, a movie we talked about for two hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I knocked the first fight in that movie because at in the first 10 seconds of it, it looked a little choreographed. Like, well, it didn't really look like a fight. That's all this movie is, David, is none of this looks like an actual fight. You are correct. This all just looks like, yeah, a tandem martial arts demonstration. But God damn it, if these tandem martial arts demonstrations aren't top notch. But you're right. There's no drama behind them. No, it's it's all silliness. But, it, you know, it feels at home here. That, that was the thing about Gunpowder Milkshake. It felt out of place. But this is just 110 minutes of this. This was, you know, it's not like the raid two is, you know, this serious prison rumble. And then you see like one guy tippy and trying to avoid like, you know, walking across the prison yard. Like. This is all silly. There's a moment here. Freddie has Jerry Lee down on a table. Freddie has a, a sword with him and he pretends to chop, 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 Jerry Lee. Slice, 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 slice. It's a goddamn human Bugs Bunny. Yeah, David, he says, chop the meat here. And I got to tell you, I laughed out loud at that. That was my first markout moment. Just him <laughs> pretending to chop up the guy and the guy being like, no, 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 no. And he's like, chop, 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 chop. I, I couldn't help it. I, I thought it was. I thought it was really funny. And and yeah, I, I marked out. You you got me. Movie at the house of his dad, Robert Wong. We see the lady stranger who beat the shit out of Freddie, and the lady stranger is attractive daughter. Turns out, David, that lady stranger is Freddie's aunt. And the the lady that uh, the young lady that he was like trying to get uh, to kiss and hug him. Uh, that's his cousin. Ew, gross. And so when Freddie shows up, he recognizes these people. Oh no, buddy. What was the thing? Things got wacky. Things got even wackier here. Yeah, a little too wacky because Freddie is going out of his way to avoid eye contact with his aunt and his cousin, like pretending he's got a sore neck. So the aunt has to walk over and be like, oh, let me fix that for you. It's more silliness, but like it's a cotton candy plot. Like we still haven't gotten any any thrust to the story. We still don't know where anything's going. Yeah, she's like, oh, this is your son? Interesting. You know, uh, I heard your son, everyone says he's really polite, and he definitely is respectful of women. And you're like, oh, okay. She's she's letting him twist here. She's holding it over his head or, or whatever. It's like, yeah, everyone everyone respects him. We actually got attacked in the streets by some disrespectful youth. And the Robert Wong is like, who? You tell me who it is, and I'll kill him. Freddy, let's go track him down. Then the aunt was like, oh, it's uh, it was your, it's your son, Freddy. It's this guy, Freddy, right here. Which I thought the aunt was going to like hold it over his head and let him twist. But instead she just was like, no, it's like it was Freddy. If I was a dad, I'd be like, wait, Freddy beat it? What was all this fucking polite bullshit you were telling me about? What, what game are you playing here? So did you just refer to my son as a sex maniac a moment ago? Is that what I just heard? Yeah, but the dad, uh, he's great as a kung fu teacher because he's got a, a temper on him. Uh, instantly vows to murder his own son <laughs> and kill him. But David, before he could continue to beat the shit out of his, wait, hold on. He actually did get a couple blows in. Uh, interrupting this uh, paternal beatdown, David, it's uh, uh, some people show up. What's going on here? Uh, this is going to be Jerry Lee's dad, played by former President Gerald Ford. He's going to come in with his son, Jerry, on a on a stretcher. 
He is all casted up. He got beat to crap. Lee the Elder wants answers. He's like, your son did this to me. I want revenge. Yeah. And we get the sense here that Mr. Lee is some sort of village bigwig. Like later on, you get the idea maybe he owns some land or he's like, a I don't know. He's, uh, whatever he does, he can afford to have stooges work for him. Like he's got a bunch of goons, uh, which I mean, like, I don't know what kind of, you know, is it a feudal system there? And I don't know what's going on. Uh, in whatever time this movie takes place. In Roadhouse terms, I don't think Mr. Lee is quite a uh, Brad Wesley, but he's like a mini Brad Wesley. But yes, David, he demands justice for his son, who Freddie beat up. So we just found out that, you know, Freddie groped his cousin and attacked his aunt. And now this dude comes in, he's like, hey, Mr. Wong, guess what? Your son also beat up my son. Not a great day for Freddie. No, it's not. So his punishment is that Mr. Lee gets to unleash one of his stooges on to Freddy and like, all right, you get 10 licks on Freddy. Freddy can't fight back. He says 10 strokes. Even the aunt is like, okay, 10 strokes, fair enough. And then uh, Chow, this goon, I think he punches him easily 10 times. So what's a stroke? I'm thinking it is when a blow makes contact. So like nothing arms. Well, shit, I don't know. You know what though? Maybe because he got a bunch of hits in right away, but I don't know if you ever got to 10. Well, no, because he did because the ant at some point is like, okay, enough, you got your 10. But yeah, but Freddy can't fight back, right? So this whole fight, he's just like, just trying to dodge fights to, I guess, last long enough to survive the, you know, whenever this 10 strokes is over, I guess. I'm confused. You have 10 strokes to knock Freddy to his knees, basically. And so that's why the guy was like, oh, I'll get you in three. So he beats him with 10 strokes. And after 10 strokes, Freddy's still standing. So Freddy is is done with his punishment. But Chow comes back he's, and he keeps beating him. So then the ant steps in. And he's like, let's kick his ass together. And they even there's a cool moment where she's like, snake and crane together. And so they kind of like their bodies join forces to strike Chow. It was awesome. I sure am looking forward to seeing more of this ant. I know. It's really disappointing because you get this theme of like teachers throughout the movie, right? Like we first see the teacher that he doesn't respect that like uh, assistant principal or professor Dean Sheck. And then you get his dad who's uh, a teacher, but not really, you know, kind of hands off. And then you get this ant and you're like, oh, this will be some sort of through line where these teachers are like passing Freddy to the next teacher. But then you're right. The, after this scene, the ant kind of just completely disappears. But Freddy does beat the shit out of Chow. And Mr. Lee's like, oh, okay, nice trick here. It's like, what trick? Shut the fuck up. So Mr. Lee and his gang leave. And now, oh, how do we solve a problem like Freddy? Oh, my God. Robert Wong is at his wit's end. He's like, oh, I've, I've tried everything. I've tried love, encouragement. I'm all out of ideas with this fucking moron. He's like, I'm going to murder him. And the head is like, well, hold on. <laughs> Maybe some extra training will rid him of his wicked ways. So he kept to Freddy. He's doing the horse stance. What that is is basically... He's crouching down, uh, so like it's it's almost like he's sitting on an imaginary chair. He's balancing teacups on his head and outstretched arms and his uh, thighs uh, with his ass over a stick. So I ask you, Mac, what part of this is a horse stance? David, you've never uh, tortured a horse before? It's my favorite way. Make those horses hold things, and if the horse rests for one moment, it gets a stabbed uh yeah no i don't i don't get this at all i don't know why this this torture is supposed to to teach him and he cheats freddie cheats but while freddie's in this horse stance here comes dean check again the uh assistant teacher and he's like oh you're not allowed to move if you uh you know if you move at all like a teacup when these teacups are balancing on your shoulders and head will fall off so i guess i'm gonna pluck out a feather and tickle you with it is this scene supposed to be hilarious i think so i i think it's i think you're supposed to think the professor is really being a shit 
I feel like this is my fault, David. You give a mouse a cookie. I, I laughed at the one point of this movie when he pretends to chop up the other guy. You know, when Freddy pretends to chop up uh, Jade Master Jerry. And so now it's like the movie's like, oh, you like that joke? Here's 30 more. And I hate every other joke of this movie, David. Well, strap in because that's the rest of it. But yeah, it, you know, it's just more silliness. It's, you know, it's a prolonged bit hiding the chair, you know, pretending that Freddy's in agony. Robert comes out, spots it immediately. Like, come on, Professor. Yeah, so he's he's pretending to be in this horse stance, but really he's actually sitting on a semi-hidden chair. So he's he's cheated at the the training, and then uh, his dad Robert Wong sees this, and he's like, "I'm now my double wits in. What possibly can I do now?" Well, I'm going to think of something that Freddie can't possibly cheat at. I'm going to tie a giant vase around his neck, just basically giving him spinal injuries forever. Yeah, this looks like definitely that he's trying to dislocate uh, Freddie's shoulders, and Freddie's friend lets him go, and he's like, "Hey, man, this dude that your dad's going to send you to uh, so high, uh, this guy's got a reputation for like crippling his students." And Freddy's like, ah, this sucks. Hey, I have an idea. Run. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. So Freddy just sees, he runs away from home. That's right. And running from consequences sure does make one hungry. So it's time for Freddy to try and scam a restaurant out of a disgusting amount of food. When the restaurant gets wise to Freddy's dine and dash, they beat up Freddy and successfully recover their merchandise. This is too much for the drunk in the corner, played by Yen Shu Tin, who rescues Freddy and helps him escape. We come to find out this drunk old man is actually so high, who gives Freddy no other choice but to train under him. My goodness, David, another quote-unquote hilarious scene here with the Dine and Dash. And also this movie, uh, David, borrowing a little bit from the Harold Zoid playbook, the Futurama character, where it's like, it's not enough that there is a central joke to a scene. We have to put more funny elements that will definitely distract you. <laughs> we have to put this in the background. What am I talking about, David? Yes, of course the waiter has giant comical horse teeth that uh, <laughs> for some reason, the joke is, is that Freddy is pretending to be a big wig and he's basically ordering food uh, with this uh, rich looking guy. He's like, oh, can I dine with you? Yeah, yeah, bring me all this food. I want all this food. He's like, no, 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 we, the waiter also has to be hilarious. But David, the guy who's, uh, who Freddy is sitting with, who he's going to try and like stick with the bill, David, classic Freddy luck. This guy turns out to be the owner of the restaurant. Boing. <laughs> oh no and when he runs away he ends up running into the son of the owner of the restaurant and when he says he's the son of the guy oh my goodness you're gonna have to watch it to get the the full effect there audience uh, or listeners because it really is just a big who cares there's a sign that says uh, something about like we will murder thieves and so the entire restaurant staff starts to beat up freddy this entire sequence from soup to guts from the very beginning when you see the waiter who has the buck teeth Nobody asked for this. Mickey Rooney didn't make this movie. Nobody wanted this, but they decided to do it anyway. And then the whole sequence where Freddy's being a slob, but also trying to pass himself off as the dinner guest of the owner of the restaurant. He's like being loud. He's ordering a ton of stuff. He's scarfing it down. This only sets up the vomit that comes later. Other than that, this whole thing is just gross and pointless. Even the fight that comes from it, where... Freddy, you know, has to pay for his meal, so he's going to fight all of the busboys. He's going to fight everybody in the restaurant. It's really impressive. All the fights in this movie are really impressive. But who am I rooting for in this fight? Yeah, I mean, if you want further proof that Freddy is shitty, the fact that he ran away from home and is like, oh, man, I don't have any food. I guess my only way to get it is not even, like, low-key steal it. Flamboyantly steal uh, the most food and the most expensive food on the menu. And yeah, this is our sixth fight of the movie. Fight. And yeah, David, there is some definitely some amazing stuff here. 
Like at some point, uh, Jackie Chan, aka Freddie, is like jumping from these like small tables one to the other and like balancing on them and doing some amazing tricks. And it's it's great. But again, we're we're getting a lot of fights in this. And David, there's a, a I guess a, a cook who comes out and his name is Gorilla. I, I guess he's supposed to be one of these like mid-level bosses with an interesting name. But David, Gorilla's thing is he's big and he has the weirdest chest hair you've ever seen. Maybe this is a cultural thing. It's like a cross that goes under his pecs and like, you know, that's the, the that's the T, the crossbar of the T. And the vertical bar goes between the pecs and like not even all the way to his belly button. It's real off-putting. It's kind of like the chest version of the mole hair we saw earlier. It's <laughs> It really is. And then he comes out and he's like, I'm the gorilla, watch how I jump. And then he makes his his pectorals bounce. And again, like there there needs to be some personality here, I guess. But if that's your personality, I, I don't need this. But watching the gorilla, watching this whole sequence, watching the whole movie up to this point, at a certain point I was I was struck with the thought, it kind of made me want to watch the movie Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Because anytime I caught that movie on like Comedy Central, it always felt so silly. Too silly, maybe. <laughs> now I want to watch it to see if I should absolve Kung Pao and see if it was a little closer to an actual movie than I thought. How dare this disgusting movie uh, make, a, make a, a mockery out of very serious kung fu movies of old. Oh, no. But David, this restaurant was pretty packed. There was other people in it. But the fact that they decided to be like, oh, we, we punish thieves. Everyone in this restaurant, clear out. Definitely do not pay. Just run out of the restaurant because we have to set an example. For future thieves. But David, once the restaurant staff subdues Freddy, and I think they only get Freddy because he like trips or something like that. The owner of the restaurant is like, okay, now you gotta return the food you ate. What does that mean, return the food he ate? It means they're gonna punch him in the gut and in, uh, in the throat until he returns all of the food and wine that he ate and drank. So he's gonna get slugged in the gut a few times and then just keep vomiting up food. I hate to say this, but this actually could have been a funny sequence. Maybe he vomited up something that they're like, we don't sell this here, or like, uh, like a watch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was lunchtime, literally. Anyway, but yeah, it, it just was gross. But David, there's one patron still in the restaurant. Some old drunk who's almost passed out at his table is like, "Hey, leave him alone." And when they're like, "Hey, shut up, old man," which okay, this is great customer service. This old man turns out to be a fucking badass, David, and he rescues Freddie and kicks everyone's butt. I mean, yeah, he's wearing like an old man wig. And yeah, some of the fighting is definitely done by a stunt double in that same wig. It, it, it's still very effective. This is going to be how we're introduced to Sohai. And what a better way to introduce the titular character of this movie than with a confusing introduction where you don't quite know who he is until minutes later. Yeah, so after they escape the restaurant, they're like catching their breath in the forest and they're like kind of comparing stories. And Freddy's like, man, you, you move pretty good for an old man. He's like, yeah, well, you young people, you're a kung fu's trash. You don't know any better. What's your deal? He's like, I'm running away from some piece of shit named Sohai. He's like, well, my name is Sohai. Oh, no. And then they have a fight. Yes, David, this is our seventh fight of the movie. Sohai uh, beats him up for way too long, but that is okay. Because <laughs> look, we just saw Sohai kick ass. Do we need a scene this long that tells us he kicks ass? We already know it. He could have made this thing bip, 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 pretty short. But yeah, he basically, you know, it's the equivalent of grabbing Freddy by his ear and pulling him along to Kung Fu school. Yeah, I was okay with it just because it was a, it was kind of a nice showcase of physicality because there is a moment where Freddy's kind of running away from Sohai. Sohai's trying to kick his ass. And Freddy runs up a tree and climbs up the tree. Sohai kind of goads him on. He's like, ah, monkey kung fu. So Freddy jumps out of the tree and starts running around like a goddamn Andy Circus. And I, that was exciting because, you know, to be able to see, to be able to hear the name of a style of 
martial arts and then to see him emulate it and to have it click and be like, oh, yeah, monkey style. I get it. That was very satisfying for me. You know what? You're right. It was a, a pretty awesome display because the previous fight scene, there's definitely some like takes where it's like, okay, well, that's a, a stunt actor wearing the same wig. In this scene, there are some shots where it's, no, it's definitely that actor. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong. Yunsu Tin. And I apologize. And yeah, even though they used a, you know, a, a body double in the previous scene, in this scene, he's definitely he's got some moves. So it was cool to see that for sure. I don't know how old this guy actually is. Is there an American actor that he reminded you of? And maybe the gruff voiceover they gave him helped sell this. I don't know. Do you have anybody off the top of your head? Lee Marvin. I thought this dude was the Chinese Lee Marvin, is what I'm going to call him. That's good. But Mac Freddy begins his training under So High. But bad news. It's more torture. Freddy makes another run for it, but this time he runs into Thunderlegs, who sends Freddy back to so high, humiliated in defeat and without pants. This is all the motivation Freddy needs to return to Sohai's training and cut corners once again. Yeah, David, so when he first gets to Sohai's house, when Freddy first gets to Sohai's uh, hut, he tries to make a run for it in the night, but Sohai's got a string tied around Freddy's toe, weird, and he's like, all right, now time to begin some Mr. Miyagi-style unorthodox training, where you're like, I don't get how, you know, standing on these buckets will help me fight later, which, uh, whereas in Karate Kid, that actually connected, I don't know if this thing does. But Mac, that was the appeal of Jackie Chan, watching this scene. So basically what's happening is there are four giant, basically like Pier 1 vases. They're full of water. Freddy is standing on top of the, the four vases, scooping water out of one, pouring water into another, walking around the vases. And it's very hard. It's seriously tough. The balance, the dexterity, the strength to be able to do that and keep doing that. That was the appeal of Jackie Chan in my memory early on in the 90s when he broke through in America because he was doing the stuff that actors didn't do. And that's, you know, we talked about it uh, with Mission Impossible 2. That's the appeal of Tom Cruise these days is he's willing to do the things that no one else will do. And you're willing to pay money as a moviegoer to see this thing that you're you're watching a movie star do. But again, it's not going anywhere. It's just a showcase. It's just a showcase of how awesome Jackie Chan is. Yeah, Jackie Chan is a human special effect. And having him do these balancing things is very impressive. But it's not like visually very impressive. It's a little bit wasted because it looks hard as hell. I mean, it's I'm not saying like uh, just because I was a little bored by it does not mean it's easy. It's still very, again, impressive that Jackie Chan's able to do this. But because it's not connected to anything, I don't know. It's hard to get behind it. Freddie does manage to trap uh, so high in a, a water barrel and he makes his escape again, but he gets a little wet in the process, David. And so we see him at that FedEx office that Shanty leaned to that uh, abandoned uh, jungle house that belongs to Thunderleg. That's where Thunderleg gets his murder messages. And Freddie's uh, over there just drying his pants when who should enter? I already said his name is Thunderleg. He's there to tell Freddie to Amscray. He wants to get his uh, his messages. And Freddie's like, can't you see I'm drying my pants? He's taking his pants off and he's holding them over a fire. The the trash talk uh, between Thunderleg and Freddy, the trash talk throughout this movie, because I, I think it might be the dub, but there's a lot of literal shit talk, like shits and asses and assholes. In fact, let's let's play a clip right here of Thunderleg. Judging by you, your old man's kung fu stinks. I wouldn't ask him to wipe the shit off my damned asshole. I mean, the shit out of your asshole, like... I, I don't know what's going on with this with this trash talk, Mac. Yeah, it gets a little better at the end of the movie, but also still bad. I, I just, you gotta think it's maybe the bad dub, like the script. 
or it sounds better in, in Chinese. <laughs> I guess it's my only other guess. I guess that's my only other guess. Good job, Mac. But here it's a little uh, underwhelming. But David, Freddy will not leave. And so Thunder Lake is forced, I guess, to fucking dominate Freddy. Just really beat the shit out of him. 52 minutes in, this is our eighth fight. On one hand, David, that's very impressive. It's like, wow, this movie is really just packing in the fights here. But because there's so many fights, it's hard to care about all of them. I think we would have been okay if we would have cut one of these fights or trimmed them significantly. Because this is a fight that's not meant to be silly. This is just a fucking beatdown. But I don't know if I care about it at this point. That's funny because this is the fight that has the most emotional weight. Like you could argue the previous seven fights were superfluous compared to this one. This is the midpoint of the movie. This is the one where Freddy is going to be humiliated. When he gets his ass kicked, he's going to have to crawl through Thunderlegs' legs and Thunderlegs is even going to have more shit talk for him. He's like, go clean crud and piss holes. And it's like, all right, guys. Yeah. You know what, David? Real quick. He definitely tells him to go do that. And there's a lot of talk like that. Like in the restaurant fight, when Sohai tries to break it up, the restaurant staff is like, hey, we're not done with him yet. He's got to go clean the toilet. Shout out to janitors custodial crews, anyone whose job description involves them cleaning a toilet. Imagine you're singing this in a theater. You're just jazzed to see your man Jackie Chan, you know, kick and punch up. The next thing you know, they're like, hey, uh, the worst thing a person could be is a janitor. And they point right at you and the audience and you're just humiliated. David, the times I've used a public restroom and the state of the bathroom, it's cleanliness level, when it is above that of what uh, I would recall like a Hellraiser uh, level of uh, grime, I've been so thankful. Janitors, custodians, uh, th- thanks for your hard work scrubbing. Uh, this movie doesn't like you, but I do. Jannies, I bust on you, but I love you. But yeah, David, you mentioned it. Uh, Thunder Lake does make Freddy like crawl between his legs. And he's like, you know, all my dogs must obey. He's really being a mean daddy dom here. And laying it on Freddy pretty hard. And then Freddy like <laughs> ugly cries and runs out of there. Oh, before he goes, he's like, can I at least have my pants? And then uh, Thunder Lake is like, oh, you want these pants? And he just throws his pants on the fucking fire. That's why I say this is a movie for children, because if you're six years old, the most humiliating thing that can happen is a bully burns your pants and you have to run home. This is like hot rod levels of running and crying. This is really something. And this is supposed to have the most emotional weight. It is. What a bizarre movie. David, you're right. This is the moment where hotshot, super cocky Freddy where he's supposed to realize the error of his ways and take his training seriously. And to drive home this point, as Freddy like ah, cries about what a, a low point he's at, he has flashbacks to his beatdown that we saw moments ago. We don't need flashbacks. We remember. It just happened. Why don't you show flashbacks to the other jerk things he did? That guy was a jerk to me, just like how I was a jerk and a bully to others. And that's what, but no, he doesn't. He's just mad that he got beaten up. And so he's going to double down on his training for what, though? Like, what are the stakes at this point of the movie? It's not like he swore revenge on Thunderleg. I guess he's just like, I'll become a better fighter, so this will never happen to me again, maybe? Yeah, it's not like there's the All-Valley Karate Tournament coming up, and it's not like he knows that his dad is going to be marked for death later on in this movie. He really is just working out aggression at this point. You're right. If Freddie had like a little bit more emotional weight behind his decision to go home, other than like, I'll show you, I'll just go back to where I just was, uh, then maybe it would it would land a little harder. But yeah, anyway, he uh, Freddie's like, okay, I'll go back to you, so high teacher. Yeah, he's he's back for even worse punishment, and so now he's doing this really. I hope it comes in handy at some point where he's hanging by his ankles, doing sit-ups and scooping water into a bucket at his feet. It's hard to do. I give him credit. 
And then he's also training with like walnuts. He's pinching walnuts with his thumb and forefinger until he crushes them to make his thumb and forefinger stronger. Hopefully that will come up later in the movie. But yeah, David, it seems like Freddy's serious about training, but oh wait, he's fucking not. Because again, he's like goofing off and like trying to shortcut his way around uh, actually doing this work. And uh, I don't know what the fuck, uh, are we going to learn anything? Are characters going to have any sort of emotional journey in this? I am not sure. But enough training. Yes, let's take a gambling break. Freddy and Sohai mix it up with some crooked three-cup money dealers who return to Sohai's home later while Freddy is out getting more wine. Freddy, meanwhile, is out spending Sohai's wine money on himself and returns to Sohai with only a jug full of water. After Freddy and Sohai flee from the crooked thugs, Sohai reveals that he needs alcohol in order to fight better and teaches Freddy the ways of the eight drunken gods. Yeah, I like this sequence, even though it was maybe useless. And I liked it because going into town, it does two things. One, it shows us that Sohai likes gambling. <laughs> and so I feel like it fleshes out his character like, oh, he's not some weird like Popeye style guy who has like a superpower where it's like, oh, every time I'm around alcohol, I can fight. It's the fact that Sohai has vices. Like he drinks, <laughs> he gambles. If you probably saw uh, a lady with an eye patch, he's like, that's my kink. Like, we, that could have been it uh, for, for Sohai in this movie. But, it, but also, this is the moment where Sohai and Freddy get on the same team. Sohai's cleaning up at Three Cup Monty, discovers the dealer is cheating. The dealer, like, fights back. And so Freddy and Sohai, like, team up to, like, take on this dealer. Uh, Sohai, right, he's, he's a drunk. And how does the movie tell us that he's a drunk visually? Besides being, you know, kind of like... Uh, uh, his hair could be uh, could use a comb. It's going to make his nose comically red as though he's leading a sleigh through the Christmas snow. Yes, a little too comically red. And David, this scene includes a real unfortunate close-up on this nose. I thought they made his nose red by just, you know, rubbing a little uh, rouge on it or something. But what they did is kind of like those bad freckles we saw earlier. It looks like pox, like he's got uh, chicken pox or something on his nose. And this close-up reveals it. It looks like a little uh, strawberry with bumps. I don't know, man. But actually, it's a little bit of foreshadowing for some uh, terrible uh, makeup to come. Because, David, yes, we get another fight. I think this is our, maybe our, I'm going to stop counting. I want to say it's our ninth. But from here on out, you, the listener, can count. Our heroes fight the, the not card dealer, the cup, the cup swiper. Real quick, I want to disagree with you. I, I noticed that, too, with the nose and with the makeup. I thought that he was sweating so bad that his nose makeup was starting to run and kind of pill a little bit. Oh. So I was e equally grossed out. Uh, well, if you disagree with me, we're in agreement on one thing. It's gross. But this is going to be an interesting fight because this is going to be our first introduction to a villain with superpowers, I guess. This is going to be Rat, the iron-headed bullet. He's going to be sort of the muscle behind the Three Cup Monty game. Uh, he's going to try to run away with all of Sohai's winnings, but Freddy's going to stop. He's like, you give that money back. And so uh, Rat the Iron-Headed Bullet's going to say, don't you know who you're talking to? And he's going to reveal why he's called that. Because he has a hard head. This is the silliest video game. He's chasing you around with his head, going head first, trying to hit you with his head. It's so silly. Yeah, and but I like it, though, because unlike Gorilla, whose superpower was that he was just kind of semi-hairy or jade smasher jerry whose superpower was that he turbo sucked uh this guy's he actually has like a, a power that affects how he fights uh or we say power i mean you know he's got like a, a fighting style so where he fights differently so these fights don't all feel the fucking same but yeah it's it's fun and the fact that now so high like i said is teamed up with uh freddie it the fight has a different feel to it because we can actually enjoy this one 
Yeah, because Freddie is not the asshole here, and he's not being like you know lectured by someone at this moment. He's actually teamed up with Soai. So yeah, it, it's a fun fight. It's a fun fight. It's a little too cartoonish in spots because... Oh, how do you mean, David? <laughs> well, Freddy's going to hit Rat the Iron-Headed Bullet on the head with a hammer, thinking this is the only way to subdue a guy with a hard head. And these like large Tom and Jerry welts are going to grow. It's almost like little uh, Hellboy horns uh, on his head. I'm watching that thinking, man, this is so silly. And then Iron Head gets his, gets his upper body stuck in a pair of pants. And I was just like, yay. So who knows what I'm getting out of this movie? Yeah. I mean, imagine, again, like you just said, a, a cartoon character getting hit on the head and then like a bump would beep, raise up. Except this dude suddenly has uh, head testicles. The makeup effects here look awful. I wish I could go back to staring at that terrible red nose they gave So I, because these things are fucking gross. It definitely looks like uh, someone fed him after midnight. Some more Iron Head version gremlins are going to pop out of his skull. It's gross. Not great. But our heroes win and they go back home and, uh, you know, they're sharing a meal and they're talking. And uh, so I was like, hey, we're out of wine. Go pick some up, Freddy. Cut to Freddy, who volunteers to go pick up some wine. Cut to Freddy taking this wine money he's eating in a restaurant now. He basically, again, is goofing off. At this moment, though, it's like, look, should Freddy be learning something at this point? Yes. However, the fact that this character is so committed to just being a fucking shit, I actually appreciated it this this moment. I guess he's he's sitting in a restaurant scarfing down duck, picking his nose like really obviously like it's like the kid leaving church untucking his shirt. It's just like, oh, thank God that's over. But he's not even smart about it because when it comes time to pay the bill and get wine to take back to so high, he doesn't have enough money to cover the wine, so he cuts it with water. I never understood when kids did that when they were raiding the liquor cabinet because the parents are going to find out real easy. It's real easy to figure out that something's wrong with this. But uh, but yeah, so high's got to find out the hard way. Yes, because while Freddie is enjoying this meal, uh, Ironhead Rat or whatever his fucking name is, he shows up with his buddy to get revenge. And his buddy's like, perhaps you've heard of me. My mid-level boss name is King of Bamboo. He's got a bamboo pole. <laughs> He's got a fucking bow staff made out of bamboo. And Sohai's like, yeah, I've heard of you. My name is fucking Sohai, though. And King of Bamboo's like, let's get the fuck out of here. I don't want to pick a fight with Sohai. But Iron Bullet's like, hey, he could just be saying he's Sohai. You should go ahead and fight him. Normally, Sohai would be able to kick this guy's ass. But because he's sober now, he's like lost his fighting power. Yeah, he's got the shakes. Ironhead and the King of Bamboo, they they see his his hand. They see Sohai's hand and it's starting to shake. And they're like, oh, he's weak. He needs his wine. And uh, yeah, so they give him a little bit of a thrashing. And then here comes, uh, here comes Freddy to help. Throws him the jug of wine. It's water. So they have to make a run for it instead. And they flee. Yes, it is another fight. It is a fight that does not end up uh, in our hero's favor. As, yeah, they're forced to abandon their home. And afterwards, so high, you know, scolding Freddy, be like, you know, in all my fucking years, I've never lost a fight. Thanks, Freddy, you piece of shit. And he's like, yeah, it's almost like you need to have booze to fight. He's like, yeah, you talk a lot. Like, but at the same time, it's true. And he decides to let Freddy in on his secret, which is, yes, uh, he does fight a, a secret style of drunken fighting here do they call it drunken boxing in the movie they do not call it drunken boxing but there are other drunken forms so he teaches him about his uh his drunken style of martial arts where he imitates the fighting style of the eight drunken gods which i mean shout out in religion that has eight drunken gods right i was surprised they had so many like when they do list out the eight gods and their strengths or their you know, or their attributes 
it still holds up. Like they didn't run out where it's like, this is Hong. He's the God of when you're really drunk, but you eat a lot of food afterward. Like, no, they all make sense in fighting. Uh, this is uh Tao. He's the God of getting drunk and then checking your phone the next day. And it's like, Oh good. I didn't call anybody, but wait, hold on a second. I deleted my call history. Oh no. What have I done? So yes. While so high is listening to different drunken gods, uh, Jackie Chan is just putting on an amazing display of like choreographed moves. None of these things look like things that would help you in a fight, but at the same time, it's it's really impressive until he gets to the uh, female drunken god, the drunken goddess, Miss Ho. And then uh, Jackie Chan acts like Bugs Bunny pretending to be a sexy bunny. And he acts like this is also the funniest thing anyone has ever seen. This is really the dividing line between the subtitled version and the dubbed version. I remember the subtitled version being a lot less. If we could play a little bit of Freddy's reaction once he has to learn Miss Ho's fighting style. God, Miss Ho. The drunken woman flaunting her body. Out! Come on, boy, this is serious. Like, he's, he's not taking this seriously. He's really playing it up like three's company levels of trying to convince the landlord kind of playing it up it, it's played for laughs but it, it, it's not landing with me yeah this is the kind of thing like arnold schwarzenegger you feel like would laugh at like he's pretending to be almost actual <laughs> real not great but anyway uh now that he is i guess fully embraced being a drunken apprentice to this drunken master i wonder what's going on back at the old uh wong house the old wong school of kung fu mac i'll tell you what's happening over at the wong house a goddamn plot. Mr. Lee is upset with Robert for interfering in a land deal, but Robert knows Mr. Lee only wants to buy that graveyard so he can dig the coal out from under it, being the most evil guy in a movie. With Robert standing in the way of what will surely be a haunted fortune, Mr. Lee hires Thunderleg to assassinate Robert Wong. Freddy shows up in time to fight on Robert's behalf, Sohai returns in time to remind Freddy of everything he's learned, and Freddy successfully overcomes his fear of acting feminine and successfully murders Thunderleg. Yeah, a lot happened real quick. Well, David, there's one more fight that happens in this drama, which... Freddy does responsibly go back in town to get some more wine after learning this drunken fighting style, and he bumps into his old buddy, King of Bamboo. And this time, uh, showing off his new drunken fighting style, and yes, this is another fight. Freddy is able to roundly thrash King of Bamboo. And when he returns to Sohai's hut, Sohai is gone. And Sohai wrote a letter, like a goodbye letter to Freddy here. And I, I kind of really like this letter, because let's hear like a little bit of it. Freddy. One year has passed, and the time has come for us to take our separate paths. I have taught you all the techniques and the magic of Kung Fu. Practice diligently. I like this letter, David, because it, it kind of sounds like a drunk wrote it. Like the way he's like rose-colored glasses remembering their time together. Like, oh, remember all the laughs we had and how I taught you about Kung Fu, and now you know everything. I'm a great teacher. Well, those times are done. It's like, no, you were pretty abusive. What the fuck? But you're right. Mr. Lee hires... Thunderleg to kill Robert Wong, something that should have happened about 30 minutes ago in the movie, 30 minutes earlier. We see the setup for this fight. And we cut back to the Wong school where Mr. Wong is, I guess, doing like a final exam of one of his students. It's Potbelly. And he's shirtless and is uh he's very much not in shape. And I was really expecting this movie to like play it for laughs. The fact that this uh rounder dude is doing all these kung fu moves, but they didn't. So I gotta say, my bad movie. I thought you were worse than you are. I guess but 
then what is the point of this character? I don't mean to be that way about it because like I'm perfectly fine with him existing as a human being. Actually, I want to go back to a line read from the dub of this character early on when Jerry Lee is wheeled in on the stretcher and he's in the cast. This is going to be Potbelly's reaction. Oh my, he really beat him up. He looks like a dumpling. Yeah, they make him sound like a real yokel, but he's never really played for last beyond that. He doesn't sit on a cake or anything. He doesn't get his head stuck in a horse's ass. It's just like, you're just supposed to laugh by looking at it, which I kind of did. <laughs> well, that's fucked up. But they're like, Mr. Wong, come quick. I don't get some reason. And Mr. Wong comes quick, but oh, it's Thunder Lake, David. Thunder Lake versus Robert Wong. It's yet another fight. And David, finally a fight with some consequences. Oh my God. Yeah, seriously. It's it's a fight to the death. That's really, that's the only consequence. Yeah, sure enough. Okay. Anyway, so it's going to be a fight to the death, but then Freddy's going to step and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to fight Thunderleg. You, you know, dad, set this one out. And so Freddy's going to step up to the challenge. This is going to be more impressive choreography more impressive martial arts demonstrations for the climactic fight of the movie it doesn't really feel like it it's going to cash in on the stakes of this of this moment but i just i just like watching them go it was fun well let's talk about the stakes for a minute the feud here even though there was already a pre-existing feud because mr lee's son got beat up by this other guy's son uh this weird like complicated oil plan i guess and he wants to buy this uh, graveyard. But Robert Wong is blocking the sale of the graveyard to Mr. Lee. What'd you think about this? I loved it because Mr. Lee's coming in. He's like, hey, come on. I heard you said some bad things about me. You're the one who blocked this sale. I just want to buy this plot of land. It's haunted. It's been haunting our people in our village for years. How low down and underhanded do you have to be not only to want to buy a graveyard, to extract the coal out from under these corpses. Oh, coal, sorry. I thought it was oil. <laughs> Either way, but to sell it as though, no, no, it's evil spirits that we want to get rid of. You got some fucking nerve. I do kind of wish uh, <laughs> that could be a punch up, go the other direction. Like Robert Wong like buys the ghost explanation. He's like, well, well ghosts are real and yeah, your people have definitely been haunted. I think you want the coal, but all oh, those ghosts. But yes, the inevitable then of Thunderlake getting hired to beat up Mr. Wong, which could have happened over the sun beaten up. You know what I mean? The beating of uh, Mr. Lee's son could have been enough of a prompt to have him pay Thunderlake to take out Mr. Wong. We didn't need this ghostly Cole story. Yeah. We didn't need it an hour and 30 into the movie. Like, we're this far into the movie and we finally get some stakes. We finally get some plot. It's wild. But this fight, David, between Thunderleg and Robert Wong, at first it starts out, and it feels, again, like other fights, like, you know, heavily choreographed more than like an actual fight. More of a display of an amazing level of synchronized movement. It feels more like that than like an actual fight. But then David, at the end of this exchange where, you know, there's a very intricate chain of punches and blocks, Thunderleg will then kick Robert Wong, and the kick does not seem to have a lot of force behind it, but Robert Wong goes flying. The way that the actor playing Robert Wong would sell these kicks, I marked out, David. And it's it's another mark moment for me. It's crazy because it would go back and forth. Like, then they'd have a fight where Robert Wong is doing these weird, like, grabs at Thunderleg's calves. And I was like, what are you trying to do here besides just like, ooh, impressive. Like, I give him a little squeeze. And it's like, this fight sucks again. But then Thunderleg would give him, like, a little kick. And Robert Wong, again, would launch into orbit. <laughs> the way he was selling it, you got to give that actor credit. But then Freddy shows up. Speaking of giving people credit, you got to give Robert Wong the character some credit because when Freddy shows up, he's like, 
Father, I'm here. And his dad responds with this. Don't worry, I'm here, all right. Uh, what are you here for? This match mine. Hell yeah, fuck this prodigal son. This is this is my my goddamn brawl. Which, you know, he's going to die. Thunderlick's kicking his ass. But David, you mentioned the trash talking was bad earlier. It gets a little bit better than also a little confusing here. I'm real glad you got here. You can help bury your old man, shitface. I'll see. Hey, Master Wong. It was a real sad day for you the day you fathered that asshole. Huh? You watch out, you'll have a body with no ass. <laughs> well now, dumbhead. I suggest that you go clean shit. So a really good line from Thunder League, you can help bury your father, shithead. Pretty tough, but then after that, just trash again. <laughs> you dumb dummy head. Yeah, it's... It waffles back and forth. This whole sequence waffles back and forth. Like you said, there's moments where it's like really good and really effective and really building the drama. And then you'll cut to a moment that just kind of takes you out of it. For me, Thunderleg is this really formidable opponent, but then he's doing like this multi-slap kind of thing where he's just waving his hands around kind of like, a, I'm trying to distract you. Little stuff like that. When when Sohai finally comes running up. Wait, Sohai comes running up. I thought he <laughs> left for parts unknown. Why the, why the fuck is he back all of a sudden? And also, how the fuck did Freddy hear about this? How this communication happens, I don't know. But here comes Sohai. He's running. I guess the Sohai symbol was shining up oh, in the okay, air and he came go. running. But he throws the wine at, at Freddy and he's like, drink, boy. That could have, would have been a markout moment for me. That's, thank God I didn't see this movie in my 20s. I would have been doing that every weekend. Like, watch how strong I can get. There's something about the last sequence of this movie there's something about the climactic battle that is as entertaining for being a good fight as it is for being ridiculous yeah so so high tosses him this jug of wine and i was like oh man there's no way this one jug of wine is going to get freddie from sober to drunk fast enough to actually you know use some drunken fighting skills however i guess the movie heard me because freddie goes i'm already drunk what's in this And he's like, it's white lightning, boy. So I was like, oh, shit. They've managed to find some backwoods Alabama moonshine here to give. So, yeah, he did manage to give him, I guess, pure alcohol. And Freddy does get drunk really fast. What's funny, David, I can tell there's like about five minutes left in this movie when this fight's going to take place. And I was like, man, is five minutes enough time for the climactic fight, the ultimate fight of this movie? Yet, David, this fight still seemed to drag somehow. It did because you're watching Freddy remember his training. So I was trying to remind him, go through the eight gods that I taught you. But of course, Freddy only remembers seven, but we have to sit through him remembering all seven in the fight and remembering the eighth. That's going to be Miss Ho. And he's like, I don't want to do Miss Ho. So Sohai's like, just find your own fucking version. And like, that's kind of my whole issue with the drunken style. But it's a little looser. You know, it's a little more improvisational like jazz, Mac. But it actually feels like you're encouraging less discipline with a style like this where you're just like, fucking wing it. You'll be fine. Yeah, but I guess according to the movie, that's how it works is because they're like, wait, uh, this guy doesn't have like a, a fighting style that I can counteract. He's, he's hard to predict. You know, is I never know what blow is going to come next because this guy is fighting like a drunk would fight, except a, a, a drunk with amazing fighting skills. But yes, Freddy invoking the Miss Ho powers again to be like, oh, I'm a pretty lady. No, thank you forever. But David, at some point, Freddy has Thunderleg's head. He's like, got it. And he grabs him by the neck. And then we get a flashback, David, a real quick shot of the walnut or chestnut earlier being crushed between Freddy's fingers. What do you think is going to happen here? I think we are going to find the origin of the Roadhouse throat rip. I got so excited. And what happened, Mac? Uh, nothing as far as I can tell. He just 
moves on to the next move. The only time this walnut grip was used was to, I think, rip Thunderleg's shirt. I think he like pinched his midsection enough to like he drew blood but ripped his shirt. That's the only time. And then again, he has a flashback to another part of his training where he's like ripped the top off of something and you're like, oh, he's going to snap Thunderleg's neck or rip the top off of it. I don't know what he does, but he does neither of those two things, but then somehow Thunderleg still dies or he gets defeated. Hard to tell. I think it's supposed to be a dramatic neck snap, but it really plays like a magician trying to show you there's no wires around the ball. Just like, uh, like it's, it's not effective. Now, David, to really sell the fact that this is the ultimate victory for Freddie by willing to accept the teaching of others, to admit that he didn't know everything, he's able to truly come into his own. It takes a commentary from another character. And so when Potbelly looks at what happened and just says this... He done it. Wow, he done it, David. That's a a chef's kiss. I, uh, it's not great. (laughs) The final shot of this movie is Freddie, Robert, Sohai, and Potbelly. How did Potbelly get to be such an integral part of this movie? I have no fucking clue. Yeah, is that is that the director's nephew? I don't know. But then, David, this movie fucking ends. Like, there's no, uh, <laughs> it's not like, oh, what happens now? You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, uh, oh, is, is Freddy, is he in good with his dad again? I, I guess the movie's like, why would you care about any of that? The fighting is done. It's like, you really just didn't give a shit about these characters, did you, movie? A theater full of people nervously looking around, trying to figure out the resolution for the haunted graveyard that they never found out anything about? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Is it still haunted? But David, he done it, and we done it, and the movie done did it, because that is the end of Drunken Master. All right, David, how many mark out moments did you have? How many moms? I had one. This movie started hot and kept a nice simmer throughout. How about you? I had two. David, is this someone's favorite movie? Sure, why not? I I can see a Jackie Chan fan still holding on to this one, especially if they haven't revisited it. I'll say yes, but only for people who think like this is the pinnacle of action. Like the heavily choreographed movements being, you know, the synchronized fighting, quote unquote, super impressive. But yeah, not really the zenith for me. But yeah, I'm, Jackie Chan is great in it. So sure, probably somebody. Okay, David, time for some punch-ups. All right, David, we're the ultimate script doctors. Everybody knows that. How would you improve this movie? How would you punch it up? My first one, my biggest one, it's going to be stakes. You, you've said it many times before where there's a reason why the number one movie on Punch Mountain isn't just a supercut of Jackie Chan fights <laughs> with no connective tissue. This is literally, this is the closest we will come to that example. <laughs> so like... Something, some connective tissue. Please, you know, have them fight for a reason. It would go a long way. Another punch up's going to be the failing a personality of the villains. Let's get more villains. Like, we really only have Thunderleg as a formidable opponent, Gorilla kinda, Ironhead kinda. Like, let's just get a cadre of people who are just willing to kick their ass in a moment's notice, which I'll tell you what, that actually leads to my third punch up. It was going to be, I wanted a throat rip at the end, but I'm going to change it a little bit because there's almost a dozen fights in this movie. That's a good, healthy average of fights throughout the runtime of this movie. What if this movie just takes place in fight city? The currency is fighting. You get honor by fighting. You court people by fighting. Like every form of communication or interaction is involved with fighting at every turn. It's just, it's Fight City. I I think I would like to see that and the characters it could produce. Yeah, I'd watch that movie for sure. Uh, My punch-ups have the ant 
more involved. In fact, how the ant recommend so high? Because right now it's Freddie's dad, Robert, who's like, oh, I will give you to so high. But if it's the ant that passes him to so high, then that becomes more of a, a teacher through line. Also, Spider-Man this bitch. And what I mean by that is have Mr. Lee hire Thunderleg, not because of some weird ghost call, but because of the way that Freddie humiliated his son and humiliated him. Mr. Lee's not able to get over it. So that's why he orders the death of Robert Wong. That's why Robert Wong actually gets fucking killed. And now, kind of like how Spider-Man got Uncle Ben killed. Yeah, that's right. There was a lot of uh, Spider-Man apologists who want to blame uh, the burglar. It was Spider-Man's fault. So now Freddy, his motivation, besides the fact that maybe he even gets his ass kicked by Thunderleg because he tries to stop it, he witnesses his dad die. So now his the stakes, which you mentioned... Uh, are actually there instead of just him being like, I guess I'll learn how to fight. And then, I don't know, tomorrow uh, I'll do a, a sourdough kit or and then uh, next week puzzles. I don't know. My final punch up, David, Thunderleg, right? What's Thunderleg's signature move? Oh, he's going to have the devil's kick. I want to see the devil's kick and I want it to be ridiculous. Like maybe that's how he kills Robert Wong. He's like, oh, I haven't shown you because he's kind of British, right? He's like, oh, I've shown you my, my ultimate kick, the devil's kick. I want him to kick Robert Wong's head right fucking off. Like he winds up for the kick, we cut to a wide shot of the village, and then here comes the head screaming, even though it's been decapitated, whizzing right by the camera like it's a like a baseball that Jordan Alvarez just sent, you know, right out of the fucking yard. I want to see that head go flying. Thunderleg, do it up. I'd like to see a kick to the nuts that just tears right through the body, just crotch to cranium. I feel like there was a nut kick. It were the Hot Shots movies where the guy then spit out <laughs> two like uh, very large like skinned grapes is what yes. it looked like skinned kiwis, but whatever it was was still the high water mark for a nut kick reaction. Speaking of nut kicks, David, please join me in the Punch Mountain Video Store. All right, David, we have three copies of Drunken Master, and as you know, this is an all action movie video store. So, what shelves, what subcategories of action would you stock these tapes? Okay, the first copy. Welcome to the Punch Mountain Video Store, Jackie Chan. I got a feeling we're gonna fill that one up as the show progresses. Uh, next one's gonna go in the Hong Kong shelf. We've already got that started, so let's add this copy there. Uh, my final copy matinee action. This is a Saturday morning. Gather the kids around and let them enjoy some some poo-poo and pee-pee and some kicks and some pretty fun times. Yeah, matinee action has a secret name, which is I, as a parent, can fall asleep in the movie and not be worried that the movie's going to enlist my kid in a QAnon or something like that. <laughs> Does all work for me. Classic rankings. Okay, David, it's almost time to learn the position of Drunken Master on the definitive list of action movies, aka Punch Mountain. As a reminder, Currently at the summit of the mountain, the top six, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Raid 2, The Matrix, Jurassic Park, Hard Boiled, and Speed, and all the way down at the bottom of the mountain at the little FedEx where people get their assassination orders, it's number 36, Chappie. All right, Dave, before the mountain reveals to us the definitive ranking, where would you put this movie? Oh, man, this thing is going to be buckshot. It could spray anywhere. I mean, you look at the name and the pedigree and just, you know, its influence. Like, you know, remember, this is 70s action and compare this to other 70s action we've seen. This actually has action. This actually has physicality and fighting and it's innovative in that way. A lot of fights, a lot of fights throughout this throughout this runtime, but do they mean anything? No, that's going to leave me feeling a little flat. Freddy as a character is a, is a tough buy. 
I, I could see this going anywhere. I, I will not be surprised. How about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, probably a little lower than one might expect. That's because of everything we just fucking said. No, I mean, it may seem sacrilegious to put a Jackie Chan movie where he is going all out like this. I mean, the, the amount of falls that he has to go through just to land a blow in that final fight is nuts. The thing is, is like, I think we've all seen some amazing Jackie Chan stunts, and I don't think any of them came from this movie. I think when you start to look at his other films, this is going to be a lesser entry in the Jackie Chan catalog. So yeah, I would probably put it a little lower than some might seem. But however, I mean, again, the, the stunts are, are amazing. And there's definitely a lot of really fun things, but the story is not helping this movie. Oh my goodness, David, grab your jugs of rice wine because the rocks are falling from the mound. There it is, the golden letters have appeared revealing the position of Drunken Master on the mound itself and it is currently 24. That's right, 22 is now Birds of Prey. 23 is Yes, Madam. 24, Drunken Master. 25, Cliffhanger. 26, Mission, colon, Impossible 2. That makes sense to me, David, for it to be below Yes, Madam, because I feel like the highs of Yes, Madam were definitely higher than the highs of Drunken Master, even though maybe Drunken Master was a little bit more consistent in its action. And it's it's also a lesson in not overstuffing your movie with fights that don't really mean anything, because after a while, it just kind of becomes room tone. There's so many good fights in this movie, but if it's just the same throughout, then you don't get the highs you need to get higher on this mountain. I'm okay with this ranking. I think it might, well, I was about to say, I think it might piss some people off, but they're not listening to the show. They're writing articles about how great the Dirty Dozen is. So I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I think if there's some Jackie Chan heads out there, they might have uh, hoped for a higher charting debut for Jackie Chan. But look, you know, there's other movies out there, my friends, okay? Just wait till we watch Shanghai Nights and watch that thing just blow shit up at the top. Number one action movie of all time. Uh, you know, it's uh, action hero Owen Wilson teaming with uh, Elder Jackie Chan. Uh, or what about the one where he has like a robot tuxedo? That That's going to break the top. But I'll tell you this. It does leave me excited to watch Drunken Master 2 because I've heard the same things. I've heard it's superior to the original. I buy it and I'm ready to believe it. Now that we've gotten a younger Jackie Chan to the mountain, I'm excited to continue his career. Uh, I hope it. I hope it works out okay for this guy. <laughs> As we continue our our quest to see uh, every action movie. Is that what we signed up for? Oh, Satan, you got us. And that'll do it for another Punch Mountain, folks. Don't forget to add us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Punch Mountain or drop us a line at punchmountain at gmail.com. MacBlakeComedy.com is your source for Mac stand-up next week. From 2013 and directed by Antoine Fuqua, it is my duty to report that Olympus has fallen. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.